Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Breaking up is hard to do. Don't take your love away from me. Don't you leave my heart in misery. If you go, then I'll be blue. Oh, that is such an early, early Tiger Woods commercial. Breaking up is so hard to do. Michael Goldstein joins us now from the sports marketing and advisory company, The Clubhouse. And I believe you've just come off a, a rather large golfing binge as well, Michael. Yeah, I actually have just been playing four or five days so far this year. So, um Right in the thick of it, Stephen. Good to be here with you. Hey, look, let's talk about the breakup. I've just been speaking with Mike Keach from Impact Sponsorship, and he says it was probably time. It was an amicable breakup, and maybe the the cycle, I mean, it was a long cycle too, considering uh, how successful Tiger was, but it, it, it was an amicable breakup and should have come as no surprise. Yeah, I, I think it hasn't come as any surprise uh, it's been signaled for a few months um and you know it's the end of a beautiful era I'm, I'm one of those that that grew up idolizing tiger and when he announced to the world he was going pro with that iconic hello world uh, press conference um and he's been wearing nike ever since um they've been they've been a match made in heaven so it's, it's a bit of a sad day but it's kind of inevitable as well do you think whoever picks them up will get as much attention probably not no, of course not. He's not playing much golf these days. He He's obviously been injured for the last year or two. Um, I was actually at the Masters in 2019 when he won after his you know, quite incredible mm. comeback from surgeries. Um, and that, that win in 2019 broke, broke the world of golf, broke the internet. It was amazing. Um, whether that could happen again, uh, I'd be very surprised. But um, I guess... The long and the short of it is that he's only really playing probably six to eight tournaments a year now, and he's he's well past his best. So that means there's less eyeballs on him, and there's less value for his, his sponsors. Um, but you never know; miracles could happen. Yeah, I, I suppose that one thing with Tiger, the money's money's not the issue anymore. And as Mike was telling us, it's more about the relationship now. So he'll want to partner someone that will have core values like his own. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I think um, most people want to maximise their um, impact and maximise their, their value that they can they can bring to something. Um, what will be interesting with Tiger is, is whether he goes with a existing company um, and one that 
comes to mind Grayson, which is a bit of a startup brand, which is partly owned by Justin Thomas, who's one of his mates. Um, so he could go with an existing brand like that and take an equity position, or he might start his own brand. Um, and and it'll be really interesting to see what he what he decides. And he's going to make the announcement uh, at his tournament in LA in about four weeks. That would be the interesting player, right? Because Nike must ho- hold some intellectual property on on the old TW. Yeah, it, he'll have to move away from that, that TW, um, just like um, you know Roger Federer would have have to have to have done when he had his um, his Nike logo. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, one of the other suggestions is that Taylor made, who um, Nike actually moved out of golf clubs and golf balls back in 2016. So since then, Tiger's had new relationships with TaylorMade, which makes hardware, and Bridgestone, which make golf balls. But um, one of the other suggestions is that TaylorMade moved into the clothing space with a Tiger Woods line, and that would be you know less heavy lifting on Tiger having to take all the all of the onus of creating a new brand, um, and they've already got that distribution, so on and so forth. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. As well. Yeah, well, he, well he, he just be thankful they're not owned by Adidas anymore. I don't think he would have ever done that. They're owned by a Korean and uh, a venture fund, exactly. I think, now. So so that that's a good one. Let's move on to what's happening in the local scene. Uh, Ryan Fox, again, in 2023, had a cracking year. Where does he go this year? How high can he go? Well, I know there's a lot of Kiwis out there rooting for him to win a major, and I definitely wouldn't put it, put it past him. I was lucky to play a few holes with him. Uh, just before Christmas, and the confidence that he swings the golf club with now is just unbelievable. He he clearly belongs in that top echelon of the world, and uh, I think it's an exciting year ahead for Ryan, um, and he'll definitely be targeting the majors and, and the biggest tournaments in the world to, um, to prove himself. I think what's interesting with Ryan at the moment is that he's sitting just outside the top 30 in the world, and the top 30 in the world get into these signature events on the PGA Tour. And so at the moment, Ryan's schedule's very much up in the air, subject to whether he can crack back into the top 30. So over the Christmas period, he went from 28 to 32, um, and he's got a couple of tournaments in the Middle East uh, this month. And depending on how he goes in those, then he can really solidify his schedule pack playing those really tough events. If he's not in the top 30, he actually doesn't get into those top events on the PGA Tour. Um, he would still get into the majors, but he wouldn't get into those those top events like Tigers event in LA. Um, and then he'd actually have to work his way up through the PGA Tour um, tree. Uh, so Mike, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the season unfolds. Michael, when you look at the career of Ryan Fox, it seems like a really comfortable slow burn. It's as if he knows that he's just built and slowly built, slowly built, slowly built, and then the success has come. Would, would that be fair? Very, very fair. You know, Ryan uh, has played a lot of tournaments in Australasia. Um, he's really worked his way up um, one step at a time up the ladder, and now he's essentially at the top, if not maybe just one step underneath. But I think it's it's quite typical of, of many golfers and probably many sports people is that they keep getting better with experience and with um, with repetition. Um, and, and Ryan's career, you know, he's 35 and um, he's really building the experience bank and playing in different conditions, learning his game, and he's getting better and better for it. Um, there's very few golfers that 
come out at, at 19, 20, 21 and become superstars. You know, they're the ones that you normally know by the first name, like Rory or Tiger. Um, but for many of the top professionals, they actually do chip away at their game and, and just keep getting better. And Ryan's done that beautifully. What is it about Ryan's game that would suggest to you that he can win a major? Well, I actually now think about it first that he's a sportsman and that he's, he's got a real competitive streak. And when he's in contention, he's winning tournaments and he's loving it. He's thriving on that pressure. And I think at that level, I think that's, that's really underrated. Um, so I think that that's part of his DNA, right? Like we, we all know his, his background, but I think that that's really helping him. And that gives me some confidence that he could, he could do something special in a major. I think outside of that, technically, he, obviously his game is very strong in all areas and he's kept working on it. Um, his length is a massive asset, as we know. I think his putting's quite underrated. His short game's amazing um, and his confidence is there. Um, but yeah, I think his DNA and his competitive streak could, could take him over the line on a major. I get excited when I hear the name Dan Hillier. Finally cracks the DP World Tour. Are you excited about where he can go? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, you mentioned Ryan's career getting incrementally better and Dan's is following the same path and Dan's quite a lot younger. Um, so essentially Dan did two years on the European Challenge Tour and in the second year he comfortably got his card on the DP World Tour. And so last year, 23, was his first year on the DP World Tour, and he already won a major event. He won the British Masters at the Belfry. So if he keeps going on that trajectory, um, you know, he'll be one of the top 10, top 20 players on the DP World Tour this year. Um, and that's a trajectory that Ryan was in probably only three or four years ago, or two or three years ago. So um, we all hope that his Dan's trajectory keeps going that way. He keeps learning his game. He keeps becoming comfortable with travelling the world and um, his confidence will grow. I wouldn't be surprised to see him win again this year on the uh, Deep World Tour and, and solidify his spot in the top 100 in the world. How's Mike Hendry going at the moment? Oh, Mike Hendry's amazing, right? Like, um, I'm sure many of the listeners uh, knew what he, ch- what he battled last year um, with leukaemia and, um, you know, absolutely through the ringer. I think most of us can't even fathom to understand um, going through five rounds or four rounds of chemo. Um, for him to turn around so quickly and play at the end of last year in, in December on the Aussie Tour, he played in the Australian PGA Championship. I think he got top 20. He's played in the Australian Open. Um, you know, he's back competing against the best golfers in Asia Pacific. And it's just, it's actually bloody incredible um, that he's gone to hell and back and he's managed to keep focused on his golf and somehow got back into the gym and got some condition back and, and playing his golf. You know, that's obviously going to make him so hardened and I wouldn't be surprised if he does something special this year. Um, I think what's really exciting for Mike and one of the coolest things is, is his, he got into the Open last year and after he got sick, uh, he obviously couldn't play in the in the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. So, um, the RNA is actually allowing him to defer that entry for one year, which is unprecedented, really. So it's been hugely motivating for Mike to be able to say, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat cancer, and I'm going to come back and play in the Open Championship. And I reckon when we get to Royal Troon in July, it'll be very special to watch him 
teeing up there. Um, no matter how it goes, it's just an amazing achievement from a, from a physical perspective and a mental perspective. Oh, it's, a, it's a great story, but the, the one story we're all following at the moment is uh, Liv versus the PJ, or are they going to come together, or when are they going to come together? Is Liv the best thing that's happened to world golf, yes or no? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, but I think that shaking this, shaking the ecosystem of professional golf up is is not a bad thing. And it's particularly not a bad thing for people outside of America. Because, you know, these guys, the golf, world of golf has been in a state of flux for two or three years now. But the light at the end of the tunnel, um, Jay Monaghan made an announcement uh, around the Christmas break, that they're in exclusive negotiations with not only um, PIF, the, the Saudi Arabians that own own live, but also with a group of American investors. And essentially, the PGA Tour will become a private company this year, and it will have mul- multiple um, shareholders. And that private company wants to grow the professional golf ecosystem outside of America because they see that. Places like Australia and arguably New Zealand have been ignored by the system, by the PGA Tour for, for for decades now, and that they're leaving commercial opportunities on the table. And so, what I think we'll see is, you know, when it all comes together this year, from say 25 or 26 onwards, there might be uh, more consistent PGA Tour high-level golf um, down under and in other places around the world. So, look, I think it's great for us. Um, I think that might have happened with other investors, but you know, Liv's certainly been the the driver to to make change, and and I think that's a great thing. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'm also interested. Just briefly, your thoughts on Rory's sort of 180 on the whole Liv thing comes out and says, well, if they had like a a window to play, I'd, I'd probably think about it. When he was so vehemently, vehemently opposed to them being involved. Yeah, he was. Was and I think you know Rory's been in a unique position because he's been representing the the board and the players, and he's been championing championing them and fighting for them, and clearly at, at a board level, PGA Tours had a change in view, and I think that that change in view is driven just by pure numbers, right? Like, and live buying John Rahm was a signal that said, look, if you guys don't want to deal with us, we'll just buy all the players and we'll take this thing over. And they offered John Rahm so much money. And that was really just a signal to say, look, we're not going to stop. And I think behind the scenes, the board and the PGA Tour players, PGA Tour's player-owned, they've said, actually, we've got, to, we've got to do a deal here. So in doing a deal, really what they're negotiating behind the scenes is, is what does their schedule look like for the top players? Um, and as I kind of inferred before, the the opportunity is to have those top players playing around the world, markets like Japan and Australia, where at the moment they're leaving money on the table. So um, at the moment, that discussion is what does the schedule look like? Um, they're obviously going to play the four majors, um, but what are the other tournaments that all the big boys are going to play against each other? Mm-hmm. And I think Teams Golf is has definitely got appeal to viewers and to sponsors. Um, that message is clearly being filtered through pretty loud and clear and um but they only want the best but they only want the best michael that's why the pga have struggled ever since tiger fell off the tour so to speak and i just wonder i just wonder 
and I'll wrap the conversation here, but I just wonder the influence of Tiger on the success of the PGA Tour and whether this whole live thing came about at the right time for the PGA Tour because they were losing of uh, viewers by the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, it's always about viewers and audience and PGA Tour waxes and waves depending on who is playing because people want to watch the stars. Yeah. And the major tournaments have had the stars consistently and the PGA Tour events haven't. And what they're doing at the moment is negotiating 22 weeks where all the stars will play against each other. And that's what the fans want to watch. So the question is, where are those 22 events? Is it like Formula One around the world? Is it US-centric? Is there some team golf component? And that's what we're going to wait and find out. But I think that's exciting because there's a golf fan that means 22 weeks of the year we'll see the best players playing against each other. Yep. And Hopefully that includes Ryan Fox. And, yep, and you'll have your fill. Thanks for your time, mate. I appreciate it so much. Michael Goldstein from the Clubhouse.